welcome to the Data-Driven CX Podcast by Informatica. In this podcast, the fundamentals, real-life practices and impact of Data-Driven CX are explored in conversations with industry thought leaders and successful business leaders. In this episode, we explore data-driven CX in retail, and I promise you it's a gem of an episode for all people in retail and those that are not. For example, the importance of top-down organizing, but also how to democratize data from a bottom-up perspective. I'm your host, Nienke Bloom, global thought leader and educator in CX, and my guest today is Chris Pote, Managing Director Retail Solutions EMEA for Google Cloud. He's an elaborate career in retail, where he was director online for Tesco and prior work 10 years in various director positions for Amazon, the last for Amazon Business, a B2B e-commerce marketplace that connects corporate customers with sellers across the world. What a fabulous guest to have and to learn his insights on data-driven CX in retail. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome, Chris. And I'm really curious, you started your new position at Google at the beginning of May. Can you Tell us a little bit more. What, it, what what do you do? Yes, I can. Well, first of all, it's a great pleasure to be here with you, uh, Informatica, Google, uh, together. I joined Google, as you say, nearly a couple of months ago, beginning of May. And my role really is to work with our largest retail customers or prospective customers from the position of an operator. So my background is in retail, running large retail businesses. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a product manager. I'm not an engineer. I'm not really a marketing person, but really my role is to support our, our sales organizations, um, understand the needs of our customers as someone who's been in their shoes for real at scale, you know, multi-billion dollar scale in, in some cases, and to understand our customers' needs. So supporting our sales organization and also making sure that we're building the right products for retail for the future. Yeah, because you've got the relationships over there. You've got the experience. Smart move from Google and also an interesting one for you to move from more like the, well, the retail side now to the other side of the the platforms. And I think for this podcast, a very interesting perspective, because when we're looking at, at customer experience and data-driven CX, we've, we've looked at it from so many angles, but retail has not been one of them. So when I look at the need, eh, what's driving the need to improve customer experience from this data-driven perspective across retail? Well, I think there are probably two things. And and I joined Google because, you know, the mission in our part of Google Cloud is to help transform every retailer into a technology company and make the most out of, of technology and the future and new development. So I think there's a couple of things driving the need. The first, I would say, is just customer expectations. The successful brands of the futures will know their customers. And if you think about a few examples, think about food, the most recent thing I did before joining Google Cloud. You know, a, a, an online grocer or an online food company should know the dietary needs of their customers, right? It's obvious. If you look at the transaction history of a customer, you can infer preferences and needs, and that should be represented in the customer experience. If you're an apparel retailer, the apparel retailer should understand fit for an existing customer. Uh, the retailer knows what products I bought in the past. They knows what, know what products I've returned and what products I've kept. And that should inform in the future the experience um, of, of buying clothes from that, from that retailer. If you think about companies like Uber, the expectation of the customer is that Uber will be able to predict where you are because guess what? You've been picked up from that spot before. So I think the successful brands will know their customers and that will be a hygiene factor. Customers will, will simply expect that. The second thing I think driving the need for what we're calling data-driven customer experience 
is the delivery on promises. Customer expectations are ever-growing, are higher and higher as they're educated by the innovators in this space. So if you make a specific promise, the best example probably is delivery in, in retail, you need to be able to keep it. You know, customers expect pricing to be competitive, depending on the, the brand proposition. Um, and so I think that understanding data, having a 360 view of your products, of your customers, of your supply chain, is necessary to be able to create that customer-orientated experience. Yeah, yeah, I find it very interesting because also I think for the listeners in this, this topic, um, we're also consumers ourselves, clients ourselves. So we look at our own experiences with with retail. And um, well, I've seen a big change, uh, especially over the last two years. I can see it as a consumer. I'm, I'm curious, what, what did you see? Has, has the focus changed during and post-pandemic? I don't think the focus has changed so much as it's just accelerated trends that were already there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll talk about my experience from, from Tesco a large supermarket based in the UK. Of course, food was at the very eye of the storm during the COVID pandemic. Tesco's online business doubled during 2020, during the the peak of the COVID pandemic. And that experience is pretty common across the world. Now here at Google, our customers tell us that, generally speaking, online businesses have approximately doubled in size. If you look at the stats of online retailers, a percentage of total retail in North America, in Europe, in the Middle East, Uh, where I have my responsibility, the penetration of online has about doubled. So what's happened is a whole bunch of customers who weren't shopping online that much before, or even in some cases not at all, uh, have come to to shop online and to shop from online retailers. And so I think the importance of creating intuitive customer experiences, reducing the kind of cognitive load on customers who maybe are less experienced than the people listening to this podcast is ever more important. It's also become a lot more competitive. Uh, Companies that maybe had an online channel before, but hadn't made big investments, are now seeing their online business potentially as their only source of growth or the main source of growth. And so the competition in online retail has only accelerated. So I don't think there's necessarily a new focus to answer your question, but it's certainly accelerated the trends that we've been seeing, you know, for the past for the past 20 years. There is a short-term impact as well, of course. And you know, at the time of this recording, for those listeners listening in the future, this is June 2022, we're experiencing <laughs> a lot we're experiencing a lot of disruption, right? Supply chain disruption, yeah. uh, payroll inflation, input price and cost inflation. And that's putting, I think, even more emphasis on the need to create those those magical experiences and to use data to inform some non-customer-facing business process like supply chain, for example. Yeah, what I also see, especially when you look at the shortest on the on the labor market, using what I've learned from one of the retailers I work with, they really work on optimizing transport and routes because they have less drivers for the logistics. So they use data even more to uh, to create better routes than they did beforehand. And I've seen all these kinds of little, well, because of what's happening in the economy, what's happening uh, in the world, that data becomes even more important. Do you see it also... In- not maybe on the professional level, but as a customer, do you experience it different from a customer lens? When I think about customer needs, I come back to some some basic fundamentals. Whatever category you're in, whether you're in grocery or in luxury apparel, whatever region you're in, 
there are some fundamentals that will always be true. Customers want to be able to find a broad product assortment, be able to find what they want. They want to be confident that prices are competitive. Above all, they want you to be in stock and deliver when you say you're going to deliver. And if there's a problem, that the retailer can resolve those problems quickly and with a minimum of fuss. And all that requires that 360 view of data to be available. In terms of the short-term impact on customers, I would pick availability as the big challenge today, and that's across many different categories. Now, some of the most interesting things that I've seen in my relatively short time so far at Google is the application of artificial intelligence to supply chains to better do demand forecasting and to reduce waste and improve on-shelf availability. So that's something I've been involved with already with a number of our customers across Europe and in the US. But I think that's probably where customers are seeing the impact of data and the impact of data improvements today. It's around availability in the, in the short term. Okay. I like that. I like that. So how's Google and Informatica helping customers in retail in their data-driven CX initiatives? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with Informatica. So <laughs> Informatica is, um, I mean, I am being paid to say that, but not directly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Informatica is a close partner of Google Cloud. Now, what they do is that they help customers, you know, largely enterprise customers, but also smaller customers, rationalize their data. So they help discover where data is in the organization, which in my personal experience is often a real challenge. They help with governance frameworks, data fidelity and data quality. And then they help with the transport of data to a common location. In our case, Google Cloud's BigQuery product in, in the main. And so Informatica really works with us to get stuff done when customers want to move data uh, into a single location and then to democratize that data across an organization. Yeah. And and I think that is like the broader part. Can you can you color it in? You have an example? I do have an example. So large supermarket group Kroger from the US, who of course I was familiar with as I suppose a competitor while I was at Tesco. So Kroger had a real challenge with without of stock problems, something quite common in the grocery category, very rapid replenishment cycles, food of course is perishable. And so deploying machine learning and artificial intelligence techniques to that part of their business was really valuable to them. So Kroger were able to work with Informatica bring data from various parts of their business, customer transaction data, supply chain data, availability data, into one place on BigQuery and reduce the, the analytical cycle time from, from days to hours, uh, reduce waste and improve availability. And that was a result of having all that data in the right place and then by deploying analytics and modeling to that data. Only possible really if you've got it all in the right place and you're confident in the fidelity and the quality and the timeliness of that data. And that's where Informatica really helped Kroger on the Google Cloud platform. And then they use various analytics tools, including Google's analytics tools to be able to complete that work. So re really good example. <laughs> they also were able to build uh, a program uh, because of the quality of the data they had and their insight to create a vendor lead time incentivization program. So rewarding suppliers who were able to meet the orders on time and creating an economic incentive to create efficiency up and down that supply chain. So another thing that was extremely valuable, I think, to Kroger. Oh, I love that example from Kroger. It's always those examples that color it in that give it a little bit more of um, a feeling that you know what happened. And when, when you look at all this data and then you import it in the query, can you share a little bit more of that? I can. Well, I've, I've talked about what Informatica do, helping customers you know, bring data to a single point in the cloud. Of course, that's just part of Google Cloud's business. And in, in retail, we're focusing really on three or four pillars. 
So the first is around product discovery with retail search, recommendations, uh, front-end e-commerce. The second is around customer data, customer data platforms, and the application of AI to customer data, which I think is an area particularly where we have some strength. And then finally, the application of AI again to last mile fulfillment and, and, and supply chain. Another example I have, it's another US grocer, actually, our friends at Walmart. So the CTO of Walmart, uh, actually an ex-colleague of mine from Amazon, has quoted some real great benefits of, of being able to bring all that data into one place. So another benefit of the work that they've done with uh, Google Cloud is reducing financial cycle times. So this isn't so much about customer experience, but of course, it enables the organization to do good things for customers. Reducing the end of period, closing of the books, closing of financial cycles by about 23%. And then another example from Walmart, kind of similar to Kroger, is around on-shelf availability and waste. And so by applying BigQuery and the various analytic tools that you can find within the Google Cloud platform to supply chain data, to point of sale data, uh, they've been able to optimize price uh, to reduce waste on their top 25 fresh lines worth about $10 million a week. Whoa. So really big benefit there. Whoa. It's also, I think, of course, from the internal perspective, it's it's a safe. It's a big safe for the planet. But this is also for your customers. We don't want these products to be on the date that they're gone. Uh, and especially with fresh produce, they, they have to get rid of it. So I think that is um, a massive benefit also from the outside in perspective. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, what do you see as real success factors in how to organize data within retail organizations? You've done, you've done this at Amazon, you've done this at Tesco, brilliant names. What are the success factors? Well, I'll, I'll talk a bit about organization, and, and, and I mean people organization, actually, because that can often be where the challenge exists. And I think, look, the solution really depends on the organization, the scale of the organization, the state of maturity that they are in. My own personal view, having worked for generally larger organizations, lots of data, massive scale, is that there does need to be some kind of top-down mandate. Trying to build data-driven CX from the ground up is difficult because there are big foundational pillars that you need to put in place. And most organizations need to go th through some kind of transformation to be able to get to the position where they can really exploit that data. So that, that top-down mandate may well be you know, data shall be accessible to lots of people because that will unleash the creative power of the organization. An anecdote from my time at, at Amazon, something that impressed me, and I should emphasize I work for Amazon's retail business, not the other part that we're not going to talk about on this podcast. But anyway, um, <laughs> one, one of the really impressive things that I saw was the availability of data to almost anybody. So, you know, as a director in, initially in the UK retail business, uh, then on the marketplace part of Amazon and then moving to Seattle, I could run queries on almost every part of the company to test theories, to build a business case, to prove something that I thought was likely true. But that requires some kind of mandate to say data shall be available. When building new products and features, engineering and product teams, I think, should have the mandate, thou shalt instrument your products, thou shalt produce the data so that we can actually uh, see what's going on. And that data should be in a format that's fairly standardized and in a, in a location that, that is accessible after that product or feature has launched. So that does require some level of sort of top-down mandate. And most organizations that are successful that I've seen 
do have a small sort of data governance or big data team that has the backing of an executive. So it could be the CTO or the CDO or even the CEO in some cases. But I think what organizations have to be very careful of is creating these sort of data monopolies within an organization that only the data team or the insights team can have access to that data or knows how to use that data. I think the real power comes from making data available to the whole organization because then any product manager with an idea can get the data and can can test it, uh, not just the sort of centralized analytics team, which creates a kind of a log jam and a queue of work. So it depends on the organization, but I think a sort of a hybrid approach probably is the right one. You know, data must be accessible. Data must be in the same place. Data must conform to some basic level of governance and labeling with metadata so people can understand it. But then that data is democratized across an organization to the extent that that's possible and not held in sort of silos organizationally. What what I really love about this perspective is uh, within CX we always say you have to organize elements and that's what you you're to- talking about about the top down part like who do we want to be what is important for the future because if you have that from bottom up it's always going to be messy in the long run you need to have like this is where we're heading this is the future state we need to organize that and well have a have a data team um, I, I fully agree but what I love about your perspective as an extra is then then you say this team needs to democratize democratize the data and but that also means that the people that are in the organization need a culture of curiosity wanting to test things look and be curious enough to open those screens and to look at the data do you have experience because it's not something that people normally like like data it's it, it's far away maybe maybe difficult do you have like how within Amazon, were people trained on on how to, well, first of all, look at these data, um, where to find it, or was it something that was ingrained in culture? Well, I'll use examples from Google's customers rather than oh yeah, I rather than their friends in Seattle. Look, I think I think some of it comes from culture. I think culture. I mean, it's a complex topic, but culture can be created through role modeling behavior by leaders. I think great leaders can take a big picture view, a strategic view, but can also get down into the data and ask really difficult, detailed, pointed questions. I think there are some principles that I've seen our customers at Google, to the extent that I've seen it so far, that I think are really valuable, but maybe actually a little controversial. So for example, viewing permission or collaboration as a defect. You know, if you need to go to another team to ask permission or you need the help of somebody else to be able to get access to data to build a solution or to test a theory, that should be seen as a defect. I think in terms of talent and training, every large organization is going to have some level of analytics training. But in my experience, if the data is available and the tools are available which are intuitive, Even those without a formal analytics background, you'll see stars rise to the top. You will see the curious and the ambitious in any organization take advantage of that. You know, I've seen interns at large organizations, the first thing they do is buy a book on SQL so they can actually get the data and answer the questions. I I also think organizationally, I mean, back to the point on sort of data silos, I'm always a bit suspicious of analytics teams, (laughs) (laughs) of sort of data and analytics teams, because I think it sends a message that somehow insight through data or the utilization of data in building new products is the domain of specialists. 
And the reality is, of course, it's not. It's the domain of everybody from the CEO down to, you know, a lowly product manager. And so, you know, while we're talking about organization for a moment, just be sort of sensitive to even the naming of teams because it somehow sort of takes responsibility away from business leaders or from product managers. It's everybody's responsibility to make decisions through through data. I would also say, to sort of change course a little bit, there's a really interesting tension, I think, between data-driven decision-making and judgment and high judgment. You know, where decisions can be taken by using analytics and, and, and data, which is the majority of decisions in business, I think, then you definitely should make those decisions. But often the big decisions are a combination of data and taste and judgment. If I think about impediments to creating data-driven CX, culturally, again, this is from my personal experience more than Google Cloud's customers, many organizations have a culture where the most senior person in the room wins or a lot of credence is put on it, personal experience and judgment as opposed to data. And I think sometimes that's okay, but you need to clearly flag what kind of decision you're taking. And most decisions, I think, should be data-driven, as long as, of course, the data is available and you've got the right tools. And that's where Informatica and Google, of course, try and help our customers. But some decisions are judgment calls. The key, I think, is to clearly label and publicly label the difference and not confuse them and not mix things up. You wouldn't use judgment, I hope, to determine you know, how many bananas to buy tomorrow if you're a supermarket, because that is a question that can definitely be answered with data and machine learning. Yeah. yeah, well, I've seen I've seen those kind of examples where the CEO had a personal example, for example, that the wife started. Well, I, I, this is not a real life, but I can imagine it happening in the boardroom. I've been there too often with a strong voiced leader that had a wife that did. Well, for example, maybe in retail starts eating avocados uh, and the judgment uh, or what I do is assumptions uh, instead of doing it with data. And I think it's uh, what I like about you. It's not that you judge being it wrong or right, but that you label them so later you can check them and to benefit track if what you did uh, was a good one. So I, ca- I kind of like that perspective. I've not heard it before. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but you were still talking about more about the behavior. And what I, what you've been telling is, that analytics teams keep it within brackets and keep it for themselves. What can data and analytics teams do to democratize data? What are suggestions you have for them? Well, there are some basic pragmatic things. The, the, the labeling of data, the creation of sort of surgeries and help, training, of course, is an obvious one. I mean, these are all fairly obvious things. I think the most powerful behavior, to be honest, is is leaders role modeling that kind of behavior publicly praising and publicly rewarding those who find insight uh, or build solutions based on based on data but i think sometimes the the blocker in my experience especially with large organizations is if they're starting from a position of legacy uh, which is true of many organizations even you know the well-known big tech companies have have layers of le- legacy in their infrastructure it can seem overwhelming it can seem like solving the problem of data and getting all data into one place and getting a 360 view of the customer is so difficult and so overwhelming that that they never actually make a start. And so I think that where data teams or technology teams can help business teams is starting, is making that start. And certainly if you're building something new, if you're building a new service or a new feature, trying to adopt best practice, at least on those new things that you're building, 
in my time at Tesco, we built a number of new services and we tried to make sure that uh, we were instrumenting the technology, uh, the APIs and services that we were building were appropriately measured and instrumented so that we could get the data once we'd launched and ask and answer the questions, the likely customer questions that we that we would uh, we would have. So I think not being intimidated by the scale of a challenge, if if you're coming from a position of legacy, starting and then at least having a break in time to say, well, at least from this moment on, anything new we're going to build is going to adopt a level of best practice and try and have the data from the different business processes, whether customer, transactional, supply chain, last mile fulfillment, you know, in, in one place from a point of time onwards. Yeah, I love that as because a lot of um, our listeners asking where to start. So I, I like that that perspective that you say from now on when we build new ones, this is where we're going to start working with data. As a final question, what should organizations absolutely not do when it comes to data-driven CX in retail? Well, I can think of a couple of things, and this is where I flip slightly into sales mode, and I apologize for that. But then here we are. One thing not to do is not ask for help. Um, there are companies that can help. And look, Informatica, Google Cloud, obviously, that's why we're here, is uh, our two companies that do this for a living. And everything we do about creating fantastic, magical retail experiences with our customers starts with data and starts with a view of the customer working backwards to create that data-driven CX that we're we're talking about. So I think that Trying to do it all yourself when you've got a day job, uh, you're running a business, and you may not have the expertise in-house is probably not the right approach. So the first thing I think is, you know, ask for help, to put it in a more positive tone. Yeah. (laughs) The second thing, I think I go back to something we talked about earlier, which is this idea of creating, you know, centers of excellence, expertise, which for me can sometimes become these monopolies on the data or these data silos. So I think that not democratizing data, to answer your question, is one of the things that, that retailers must not do. The data must be available to, to everybody. And look, there's some risk there. There is risk about the security of the data. And to be clear, I'm not talking about personal data. I'm not talking about customer personal data. I'm talking about the performance of businesses. But making that data available because through all my experience of sort of 20 years in, in online retail, and all the experience of working in different parts of, you know, the world's largest online retailer, and now at Google working with many, many of our large, large customers, I'm amazed by the ingenuity and the creativity and the insight that comes from within the company, from within the organization, and not necessarily from the people whose job title is insight manager or, 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 or data manager. So having all that data in sort of one place, having the right tools to enable anybody to access it and run queries will generate this enormous kind of creativity and pace within an organization. That would be my best advice. Well, I love it. Thank you so much, Chris, for making the time to be a guest on the podcast, but especially for sharing maybe some things were thought-provoking, but I like the practicality of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Data-Driven CX podcast. Today, we've talked about data-driven CX in retail. Two things that stood out for me were the need to get the top-down mandate in combination with the bottom-up way of working and democratizing data. So yes, you need to organize a top-down structure, maybe have this mandate from a CTO or a CEO, but you need to make the data available and help your colleagues make those decisions. I loved how Chris explained that into detail and that Insights team need to have a real 
real critical look at how they work across the organization and make data available to everybody. And of course, the second one is that please ask for help if you need it, because Data-driven CX might be a fairly new playing field. Know that Informatica and Google Cloud love to help you out. And of course, please be welcome to connect to Chris Pote through LinkedIn. To learn more about Data-driven CX, go to informatica.com CX and check out the notes for more resources and be back for more episodes. Hope to meet you another time soon. Oh, 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 oh,